You're listening to the Master Photography Podcast. This episode is brought to you by the Create Photography Retreat. Join several hosts from the Master Photography Podcast Network at the third annual Create Photography Retreat in Las Vegas, March 28th through 30th. If you've never been around hundreds of photographers just as passionate as you are about photography, you've really got to come and join us at this conference and have that experience. Early bird pricing is over now, but tickets are still insanely inexpensive at only $417. And you can get those at Create Photography Retreat. Retreat.com. So head over there and get your tickets today. Create Photography Retreat.com. Welcome to the Master Photography Roundtable, part of the Master Photography Podcast Network. You are joined by thousands of photographers listening to the show who are all on the same journey to master their photography. I'm Jeff Harmon, the host for this episode, and I am joined by my good friend, Connor Hibbs. How are you, Connor? I'm doing really well, man. How are you? Very good. Connor is a busy man, so I'm glad. <laughs> I'm really glad he could come and join me today for this episode. You know, it's it sometimes a struggle squeezing in things, but it's always worth squeezing in time to talk with all you guys. All right. So let, let's get straight to it, Connor. Let's jump right in here. Actually, uh, so so in this episode, we are going to start off with some some tips that we have for shooting at uh, family gatherings or events. The, the holiday seasons are coming up. And mm-hmm. um, so we, we want to talk about kind of the tips, some of the things that we've either done or wish we had done. <laughs> and maybe I, I have some plans of some stuff that I want to do this year. I was going to say the plans are yeah, exactly. also in the works already. It's, it's a good thing to just think about. Like, I think that's been the problem is I've gone through the holiday seasons a lot and like, I was not ready for that at all. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> and at least from a photographer's perspective, there's so many things to it. You get so busy during the holidays that it kind of takes a back seat. And so we want to talk about ideas for people to prep for it and get ready. Yeah. Get, get some better pictures. And then we're going to, we're also going to talk about some changes with Flickr that were just announced here in early November, 2018. Before we get to either of those things though, I have to, I'm getting asked like crazy on the Facebook groups and <laughs> in emails and all kinds of stuff. They're asking for the photo taco status on the updates to software um, because we've had a whole bunch of updates that have been coming here in late 2018. And a lot of people are saying they, they won't go apply those updates until I give it the old photo taco seal of approval. I am working on, and I just have to find the time to get it all finished and updated, but I'm working on a status page. So you don't have to wait necessarily. I'll still continue doing it in the podcast, I think. But if you're wondering, have I cleared it yet? I'm going to have a, a status page over at phototacopodcast.com. And uh, my hope is to just keep that updated as I learn about things, as I find things, maybe even providing links to like the, the biggest issues that people are seeing with updates and so on. So you can look out for that. Until then, though, just listen to the podcast episodes and I'll give you the status updates. So for this time, as we're recording here in, in about uh, almost mid-November 2018, let's go through the updates. So Adobe products, Adobe has a bunch of uh, updates they had in their Max conference they announced in October 2018. Uh, there's more issues with Photoshop than there are with Lightroom with those updates. And it isn't affecting everyone, of course. You're, lots of listeners are like, well, I, I already updated. There's no problems. I'm, I'm in good. And that's that might be true. It's uh, what I'm, I'm, I'm still suggesting people wait. If this is like really super important for their business, they can't afford to have hiccups 
in the software, then don't update yet. Just it doesn't make sense because there are people that are having problems. One of the most extreme examples, I've seen people that the only way they got Lightroom to actually perform like they were used to, which really wasn't fast enough anyway, but just to make it work like it was before their Mac OS update, they had to reinstall Mojave completely, like clean Ugh. install on their computer. It's a big deal. It's not fun. It's going to take a couple days. And so if, if you just can't afford to have a, a disruption like that in your business, this is a time of year where it's a lot of busy things going on with a lot of photography businesses, then don't, mm-hmm. don't apply it. Like it's super tempting to get that notification and want to go get the new toys, um, but it's just not worth it. <laughs> don't, <laughs> don't apply it yet. I still can't quite recommend it. The, Adobe's working on stuff. I expect some patches to, to fix some things or to have some better known workarounds, but it's just not ready yet for prime time for business. Um, as far as operating systems go, you had uh, both Apple and Microsoft have released updates, pretty significant updates to their operating systems. Well, sort of. Microsoft <laughs> released one in October for Windows 10, and then like two days later had to pull it because it was deleting their personal files, like their documents and their photos and their videos <laughs> and stuff like that on their computers. They had some problems there. They had some problems with zip files and Enough that they they yanked the update and it still hasn't been released. So like um, almost uh, 30 days later, it still hasn't been released as we record this. So you can't even upgrade to the latest version today. Hopefully you didn't get bit by it. If you did try to apply it in the couple of days it was available. Um, And my recommendation is going to stand there. Like just don't be the first people to do this. It's a good reason to pay for Windows 10 professional licensing. It's a little bit more expensive, but it lets you delay these updates. So you can say, I don't want it for 30 days. I think it's at least 30 days that you can, you can defer updates and you can't do that on Windows 10 home. You're going to get it as soon as they think you should have it. So it's a good, good reason to do that as a photographer. It's worth the extra money to get the professional license just for that feature. And I don't recommend doing it until you've ha- we've had some time with it. Mac OS Mojave has been updated and available for several weeks now. There were some early bumps. Uh, some people had to upgrade their software. Uh, Wacom was one of the big ones. They, they had to get some updates in place. Um, there's even a minor update patch that is now available very recently. And for the most part, it seems pretty good. The uh, every, most everything seems to be working well. I've been running it myself. I don't see a lot of issues coming across with Mojave in particular, but because Mojave is not officially supported by Adobe products until you get the most recent updates of Photoshop and Lightroom, you, I don't recommend doing it. <laughs> yeah. So um, you can run it. I have. I've run the previous versions of Lightroom and Photoshop on Mojave, and I didn't have any issues. But if you did run into something, if something really bad happened and you went to Adobe for support because you had a problem in Photoshop or Lightroom and you're running Mojave, they're going to say, well, you got to go upgrade to the latest version. And then you have the potential now for other issues to come into play because of those updates. So just in general, I'd say just stick it out for a little bit longer. Don't apply these updates quite yet. Let them iron out the wrinkles so that you can have a better upgrade experience. So, all right, there's there's the update. <laughs> that seems like good advice in general. I, it, it I really tend is. to be a little bit of a, a paranoid about updates in general. I I always hitting the no remind me tomorrow, no remind me tomorrow, no remind <laughs> me tomorrow because it's just like eh, today is not the day for me to risk th- something not working. And yeah, especially when a new thing comes out, yeah, it, it's weeks, and I think that 
it should be weeks before anybody even moderately professional needing the software to work should be updating their stuff. Yeah. Yep. Let, let us, I'm, I'm going to apply them. I'm one of those guys going to go out there and hit the button like instantly, but <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not relying on it for my, my income. So if I have some bumps, I'm going to be able to talk about it for one. So that actually kind of helps me. <laughs> yeah. Well, I not have, to mention people kind of rely on you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so that's good for me personally, but that is not going to be good for photographers who can't afford like Connor right now. You're, massively business part of your business you can't afford like a week's downtime oh no that w- oh that would i would panic if something happened where i had that level of a uh, downtime yeah yeah so if if that's if you're relying on this stuff right now and you can't afford that's probably the the fair measurement no matter what kind of issue it is where it lies if it's the os or or adobe or both if you can't afford a week to figure out what's going on or, or how get, you know, the right help to get past the issue and that's going to really cause you a problem, then you have no business applying these updates. Don't <laughs> do it. Just wait. You'll be fine. The toys will be there in two months when it's more ready and just, <laughs> just wait. So, all right, let's, let's get onto our, our actual topics now. Holiday event tips is what we're calling this. Yeah. So with the holidays coming up, I think most of our listeners are probably going to be looked to as the family photographers to capture the <laughs> moments of these events, right? You're, they're going to say, I, I, I find it with my own family, like, hey, if you want to bring your camera, that'd be all right with us <laughs> <laughs> and, and take some pictures. And, um, you know, we, we could take family pictures while you do it. And, I, you know, I'm surprised that you still have anybody even hinting at it. it it's now just assumed if people are getting together, <laughs> Connor, to the, to the point that we just passed Halloween here. I had to plan my Halloween costume around being able to carry a camera with me. So I was, <laughs> I was a dorky tourist. I wore awesome Hawaiian shirt and really short shorts and socks and sandals. And I brought my camera around and I planned my costume based on the fact that uh, people are going to want me to take pictures. I know it. Yeah. And, and so they're, they're expecting you know, Thanksgiving, Christmas, all of mm-hmm. the, the events that are coming up. Uh, you may even score some, some corporate parties or, or even like uh, for the hobbyists like me that are out there, um, you may be looked to, I, I've had this too, that, that you're looked to like, Hey, if you'd bring your camera so you can get some shots of us at the corporate Christmas party. Uh, we'd love to have those pictures to share with everybody. And, yeah. and so, so yeah, we want to go through like the tips things that we can do with shooting these types of events. The most obvious first challenge, and we've talked a lot about this recently. We'll put a link in the show notes to the, the episode we had about um, indoor photography with flash, how to do that. Mm-hmm. We, we talked, I think we had some really good stuff there. The problem with that, I mean, like, like most like weddings and, and these things we were talking about with this dark lighting, they're, they're using that for mood. Well, that's it, whether it's mood or not, we almost don't have a choice, at least here in the U.S., because uh, these, these things are in the evening. The sun goes down really early in the evenings in the wintertime here in the U.S., mm-hmm. and so it's going to be dark outside. You don't have that as an option. And inside, uh, especially Christmas, they want the lights, the little twinkling Christmas lights to be there. That's part yeah. of the ambiance. It's part of the environment. It's, it's part of the party. And so you, you're really facing a very similar challenge to wedding where the problem is it's not as accepted to put flash involved <laughs> to get flash set up. Yeah. You know, you, you're going over to the family birthday party and you say, hold on, I, I'm going to spend the next half hour setting up my lights. That's just not going to go well. 
Um, or, or people like, why do you go through all this effort to get all of this in here? We just want some simple photos. We don't, we don't need <laughs> professional event photography here. So, Connor, you're facing a dark environment. Let's assume for at first, before we get into it, but let's assume we, flash isn't an option. Whatever okay. reason, you can't do flash. What are some tips, some things that you can think of? How would you approach it? If, if you were going to an, a, a, a family party, let's say, big extended family, 50 people plus, something like that. Okay. Let's assume that's the, the scenario here and you're not going to bring the flash. How are you going to go do it? Okay. Big family party. And, and just to be clear, I want to see if I can cheat. Um, no flash at all or just no flash on stands that I can put place around the room. Like, can I, can I bring a flash that's on camera? Let, let's talk no flash at all first. And okay. then we'll add, <laughs> add some other flash, some, flash. Add some options on top of it. Yeah. Well, the, the first thing that I'm going to keep in mind is the fact that I am going to need the most help that I can possibly get. So I'm probably going to shoot with a really fast prime or, I mean, if, if you have it a 2.8, like a 70 to 200 or more likely in a party type, setting where you're going to be wandering around and being kind of close to people a 24 to 70 2.8 is going to be a pretty good option for you a 2.8 down to a 1.8 or a 1.4 is actually still quite a big difference so i honestly would probably favor my primes over a zoom lens anyway especially since if this is a family get together i know everybody it's not gonna be weird for me to get kind of close right, to be right. able to, yep. to take the pictures if it was a corporate event i might plan on having to stay a little bit further away but I, at a family party i'm going to bring my prime know that i'm going to be cranking my iso to a certain degree but i would still maybe lie on the side of um don't try and correct all the way up to neutral by cranking your iso like crazy uh, you're going to get really grainy photos that are just not going to look super awesome i would rather slightly underexposed by maybe a stop or a stop and a half and then pull it back up in uh, lightroom or capture one and correct it with post-processing for my exposure if it's really that that dark rather than pushing to the limits of what my camera can do for iso because well i'll have properly exposed images they'll just have noise i i don't know how many people have pushed their camera to the point where they have the the lines across the it's not just noise anymore you can actually see <laughs> yeah. the lines banding kind of yeah, yeah this like banding whatever it is when it gets to that point those photos are just not gonna look good no matter where you put them whether they're on the web or in a print so i'm gonna try and keep myself a little bit lower maybe underexposed just a bit and correct for that um yeah. And, and pay attention to your light sources. You can be creative. If you have Christmas trees or candles or something else, like still try and get people close to lights. Don't just be like, uh, well, it's dark. So I'm just going to take the photo where they're standing. I would still pull people around, not be afraid of being like, hey, you know, I kind of need you in somewhat decent light. And that will help you a lot. Just paying attention and ha having the willingness to, you know what, you asked me to be the photographer here. So I'm going to be the photographer here and I'm going to make you do this rather than just <laughs> <laughs> right, like, right. All right. Sorry, guys. Can you hold your plates slightly lower and I'll crop above your shoulder area so I don't get those plates in your hands? I just want to get a picture of everyone. Just don't be afraid to push people around and, and in a friendly way um, and get them right. to, to some light and take photos that way. Okay, good. And, and I like your point about slightly underexposing because I've, I've talked about this. We've even talked about exposed to the right as a technique. Mm -hmm. And as a technique, that doesn't mean you're always pushing the metering mark over to the right side of the zero. That's not what that always means. It means going as far to the right as you can, as you can make it um, 
and still keep the quality you want. So, yeah. so like, cause you'll get more quality, the more you can take it to the right. And in this case, the way you could take it to the right would be adding your own light. But yep. we're take we're, that's an assumption that we can't do it in this scenario. Yeah. So now exposing to the right is going to be your lens using the mm-hmm. the fast lens like you talked about, and uh, and that's probably going to be decent. Even though you're going to have uh, you know a, sh- a shallower depth of field, um, just take enough pictures where you get at least everybody you know one shot of everybody, and it doesn't matter. Yeah. So if the people in the background are are blurry. That's okay. In fact, that's probably desired because it kind of makes the per- one person stand out. It makes it look different from a snapshot photo or something Definitely you're going to get so. on a cell phone. Well, and, and something else to keep in mind with that is the fact that the, the distance between your camera and the thing you're focusing on is also going to Absolutely. affect your depth of field. So if you're shooting wide open, I can sh- still shoot at a 2.8 or even a 1.4 and have everybody in a row pretty much in focus right, right. it's just going to be a matter of okay i, I don't want to be really close to right. them i want to back up a little bit more have a bit of distance between there so your depth of field does widen a bit in that instance it seems kind of counterintuitive because when we open up our, our aperture really wide in most situations we're more often than not doing that so we have that nice bokeh background uh, but in this instance you can actually just pay attention to that fact and, and put your uh, point of focus a little bit further away and you'll widen up that depth of field a bit. Okay. So, and, and one thing that can help you with that, if you're not used to it, so shooting, obviously testing it is going to be like the best thing. Getting yeah. used to your camera with that lens and where does the depth of field drop off? Where, how does it work? How, how far away should I get used to being so that I have a little bit more depth of field? That's yeah. all good, good stuff. If you don't have that, all that ton of experience, like maybe you rented a lens for this. Um, yeah. Maybe because I don't normally have a, an 85 1.8 or whatever. Yeah. I don't know what, if that even exists, but, <laughs> but it does. Okay. <laughs> so, so if, if you, whatever, whatever lens, maybe you decided I'm going to try, I want to try it out. This is a good way for me to try it out. It's like, uh, you know, low risk. No one's expecting, like if I totally mess up all these photos, oh, well, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, maybe people will be like, oh, darn, you didn't get much from our party and we, we were hoping to get them, but it's not like it's a paid thing and you have this, these massive expectations. It's a good place to try stuff. It's awesome. Yeah. So, uh, so you could rent the lens. Maybe you're not used to it. Okay. So a tool that I'm going to recommend that you can help help you here like in the moment as you're getting ready to take the shot is photo pills it has this really Mm. cool feature to be able to pull that up and it has artificial reality where it will show you based on your camera and lens how far out that the depth of field and and where the people are where how the depth of field is going to work and it just like right there on your phone as you're doing it's the super cool feature that's so awesome i didn't know that was a thing (laughs) it is so so good and it is totally i think the app is something like ten dollars it is worth it just to have that for and there's way more than that in the app but but it is super super cool i'm using it all the time even though i've got a lot of experience with my camera Sometimes I'm like, I'm, I'm taking a group, a big, big extended family photo and I have three rows of people and it's, it's like, it's really wide and I want to make yeah. sure I want to get as close up as I can, but not so, it, not so close that it's a, it's, it's going to be the people in the back are, are out of focus, but I want to, I want 
have the background be out of focus. So I want to just nail it right there. Yeah. And, and the app shows me it. And I, I just changed my position based on that. It takes me only a couple minutes. It's not that hard to you know, open the app and, and use it. And uh, usually I'm doing it while my wife is getting the people situated anyway. So there she's, she's getting the group together. I can see where they are enough that I can, I can get the camera positioned and they don't even know that I did it. So yeah, it's awesome. Now, of course, at the party, that's going to be a little different, but you can, they kind of get it that you're going to do your own thing. You're going to set up and whatever. So you just don't draw to everyone's attention. Don't set the expectation. You're just about to take the photo until you've already kind of worked through that and figured it out. So totally another question for you. So if in this, in this reality where I'm not allowed to bring a flash, <laughs> which you can't possibly imagine, I understand, which, which just see, yeah, unfathomable, but <laughs> Am I allowed to bring a tripod with me? Sure. Okay. Well, in that instance, I might also rely on a tripod and uh, play old timey photographer yeah, just a little bit yeah. and say, you guys need to hold real, like really hold still. And I might then put the camera on a tripod and slow down that shutter speed just a little bit more. Maybe, sure. uh, maybe pushing it to the point where I might not feel comfortable hand holding. I keep my shutter speeds really high at all times because I know that I'm a very, um, We'll call it energetic photographer. <laughs> I move around a lot to the point where sometimes I'll start moving before I'm really done taking the picture. And if I have a fast enough shutter speed, that's okay. But I, I am not one to adhere to the whole one over the focal length rule, which is uh, where it, you always just want to have the fraction of your shutter speed, at least one over your shutter focal length. So for a 50 millimeter lens, it's one fiftieth of a second. Cause if I was that slow, even if I was really paying attention to a handhold, I know that I'm just going to want to keep shooting and I'm going to move and have a lot of blurry pictures. So I would bring a tripod and force myself to slow down in that capacity and also allow me to slow down the shutter speed, just let in a little bit more light that way. And as long as you're not going super slow with it, people can hold still enough that you'll still get very nice, sharp photos, even if you're pushing pretty slow down yeah, to maybe yeah. a 30th of a second. Okay. So I, I love I love that you thought. I mean, of course, I think people are pretty patient with you and, and they want you in the photo in this scenario where you're with your family. So, yeah. so you're going to need to be in the photo too. So yeah, a tripod is probably actually critical you you've got to have the tripod or else you can't be in the photo so no definitely yeah. so. so you, you yeah. need to set it up on the at least for the one big group shot and that's going to be a, another tip i was going to offer was do that at the beginning of the party which is Ooh, weird because people do this at the end and and it becomes this major ordeal like a lot of people don't want it anyway a lot of them are like oh <laughs> it's the holidays Fine. and i don't want to be in a photo right now and uh they, they're not excited about it but when you bring it up as like the last thing that's between them and leaving <laughs> that's even worse like no no we don't need a photo we're just fine and you know and then it then mom or grandma has to be like no i want this photo and <laughs> i brought you in this or you know whatever those kinds of things so Start pulling rank yeah yeah so uh so just try to arrange it like even if you can communicate it ahead of time somehow be like we want to take a photo as soon as everyone's here. So before, maybe before we eat, before we get started eating, I'm going to have it all set up, you know, try, try to plan with them. I'm going to be ready so that they don't have to wait forever. All you're waiting is for the people to come. And, yeah. uh, and then in that scenario, you could even consider having flash, which would be great. So you get mm -hmm. a nice group photo 
to start off with and as painless as you can make it for, for everyone coming and, uh, and, but really high quality there because you set up your flashes so you can bring your stands and do all of that and, and have that there. Um, and then take the photo and then the rest of the night, maybe, you know, de-emphasize it, like just getting candids, getting things that are going on, you're unwrapping presents, then taking some shots there, whatever, whatever's happening yeah. through the night, doing more candids, or maybe you don't focus so much on the flash. You're just trying to capture a few memories and we're not trying to make a professional photo out of this. It's just some memories that you're capturing. So yeah, totally. Yeah. So that's a, a recommendation. I haven't done it that way either. Um, but I've thought of it a lot, as especially as I get this massive resistance of, oh, yeah. I don't want to take a photo. I just want to go home. I'm, so, I'm tired. I'm done with this. I, I actually, I liked this piece of advice because I have done this before. I actually, I had a family reunion in Reno uh, three years ago and I brought all of my strobes. I, I We drove out anyway. So I brought all my strobes and everything with me and I set up my lights and I had everybody do it and it was so helpful to have done it before we had food, before anything else happened. I was able to just, hey, do you have, like, I told the people that were cooking food, hey, let me know when you're ready. Once you have a moment that you can kind of step away, we'll we'll go out and take the picture. So I got everything set up and kind of out of the way, but still dialed in. Then as soon as the cooks were ready, I, I just pulled the lights in and we were ready to go. Took a couple of photos, took a minute and a half, two minutes to get a handful of different groups. And then I was done with that portion for the night. I just took a few casual photos after that, but the ones that really mattered had already been done. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and that's the one that mom and grandma are going to want. That's yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the high quality group photo that has all of them, all of the people in it. It's what they want. So yeah. Yeah. Well, one great. more point to, to talk about with this is just to keep in mind, especially if we're talking about a family get together or something like that, it's easy as photographers to get really picky about great <laughs> right, photos right. and keep in mind that if you weren't there with your photos, even if you kind of mess up and don't get it perfect, the next best photos would have been cell phone photos that were from somebody that didn't understand or care about composition, lighting, anything else. So even, even at your worst, you're probably significantly better than the alternative of what these photos are going to be. So don't stress out too much as you're going into your holiday season with your family parties and things like that. Right, right. Yeah. Unless this is like you've never done it before, <laughs> then I guess it's a good place to practice. Good, good yeah, place. There you go. And let everyone know, like, hey, I want to do this. So you're my guinea pigs. Please help me. And, uh, yeah, and, and in that instance, they love you. Absolutely. So they're going to, yes, they're going to play along. Yes. Yeah. It's a great place to play around with it. I like that you mentioned shutter speed. That's, I think, one of the primary killers of yeah. this kind of photography in the holiday season. Uh, lighting is hard even when it's like in a, any indoor lighting is, is tough. But when you're doing the holiday party and you're like uh, going from subject to subject really fast, moving between things, the reason it, a lot of people tend to blame focus on the reason that it's not sharp when in actuality, it's the shutter speed is the reason it's yeah. not sharp. And your focus was fine, although that can be a problem. In these dark places, focus might struggle <laughs> more than you're used to. Yeah. But that's probably not the issue. And, that, and to overcome that, to overcome focus being the problem, just take a couple. You know, Do, yeah. it, do it a couple of times. Re, reobtain focus in between each one. And your chances that you're going to get at least one where the focus was right is going to be great. 
So yeah, in, in general with, with any kind of group shot, I always in my personal life and recommendations to others, I say take three of any one composition that you have sure. because it not, not only is focus going to maybe come in and out, especially in a dark situation, but that also helps protect against people blinking eyes right. or like people blinking and things like that. So I, I always try and take three of any particular composition before moving on. Okay. Good advice. So shutter speed, we talked, you, you talked briefly about the, the inverse rule, um, where yeah. you don't shoot any slower than the focal length of your lens. So if you're shooting 50 millimeters, you don't go any slower than one fiftieth of a second. If you're shooting 85 millimeters, you don't go any slower than one eighty fifth of a second, uh, which I don't think is an actual number. So you'd have to go, you know, a little <laughs> faster than that. Anyway, um, that's just a rule of thumb. It, it's not going to guarantee anything. And yeah, Connor's experience has been that's not it's not fast enough for him and how he shoots. So you, you have jittery. to practice. You kind of have to see how it is. And you kind of have to realize that in the event. And that might be good so that you don't go through the whole night shooting. And then you go back to your computer and are horribly disappointed because you have no shots that are sharp. Yeah. Then um, then check it. You got a chimp. And you can't just look at the, the full photo. You got to zoom in a little bit and look at some Definitely. of the details. So do it occasionally. Do it throughout the night. And if if stuff seems to be soft, soft as you're looking at it, um, it could be because the high the ISO is too high, and you might want to back off a little bit, even if it's going to make the the exposure not not enough. Um, but it also more than likely is probably because your shutter speed's just too slow, and you need to take it up again, even yeah. though it might make it underexposed. You'll fix that in post. But that's it's better to have a sharper shot from lower ISO and faster shutter speed than to have a shot you can't even fix or, or deal with in yeah. post. A shot that's properly exposed and blurry. Yeah, properly exposed blurry <laughs> shot does you no good. Nope. <laughs> so, yeah, the, making the mistakes on the other side is, is better and fix it in post. Um, or I guess I shouldn't call it, call it mistakes. Planning on purpose to underexpose yeah. your photo because you know you're going to have a better result in post is is what you should is a good thing to do. Agreed. All right, I have a couple of other tips here. Um, one of them I, I'm going to skip a couple of them that we had because we spent a lot of time on this already. But one of them I wanted to bring up was time lapse because mm-hmm. we, I've had so much fun with this. Have you ever done much with time lapse, Connor? You know, I, I haven't done a ton, but I, I think a f- month or two ago, I talked about getting this new gimbal crane uh-huh. thing, and it has the ability to do different kinds of pans uh, over varying amounts of time. I think the maximum I can do is like an hour, and you're allowed, you're able to set up panning time lapses and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm thinking of my ways for holiday season that I can maybe play around with some of this. Okay. So this is, it, it's a way to make it very different from a lot of things. So you, you have a ton of photos and, and they're good to have. You still want to have, you know, all the kids opening up their gifts year after year so that when you can, when you're looking at them later, year after year, you can be like, wow, look how much they changed and look how, look how cute they were when they were so little and, and all of that. That's, those are important things to have. But my yeah. family's favorite thing has been this tradition that we started. And I, I just wanted to play with my cameras while we started it. it was, I, had, I didn't <laughs> realize it was going to end up being like a family tradition. But what I did was um, I wanted to play with time lapse. So I thought, hey, we it takes us like two hours to set up our Christmas tree. 
So, or, or more. So, um, Jeez. yeah, it takes a while. We have fun doing it. We play Christmas music while we're doing it. And, and it, it's, it's a, usually a pretty fun a- activity that we do. Um, but nobody wants to watch you putting up your Christmas tree for two hours. Like, that's not a video <laughs> you will ever watch again. Uh, Are you sure about ever. that? Ever. Like, nobody's <laughs> going to do that. So, what I thought was, what would be cool is if I took a time lapse of it and we can watch that two or three hour event in like three minutes. Yeah, and, makes sense. And it, it's so fun to watch. It is so much fun to watch us just, you know, cruising around the room, setting things up. And uh, we love it uh, so much that like one of our things we do at Christmas time now is we watch the past year's videos of us setting up the tree to see, uh, the, <laughs> you know, the qualities changed as I've upgraded my equipment over the years. Um, I started with one, one camera and now I do like a three camera setup. So I change views and it's getting, I get, I'm advancing my photography skills but it's something that my kids and family just love too we love participating in this and doing it in fact last year i didn't render it i got all the pictures i never put the the time lapse together into a little video and my son continually reminds me and this next year when or this this year when we set it up he's gonna be like why should we do this you didn't even make it last year (laughs) uh, so i gotta i gotta finish that up and i gotta but i want to record it still this year so Anyway, it's super fun. It it uh, I I love the time lapse as- aspect of it, and it can make something that would be like boring video that you I know you no nobody goes back and, and looks at these things. So yeah, it turns it into something that's really fun. So something to consider that you could do, and if you haven't done much in the way of time lapse, a good way to learn, good way to deal with it. Um, maybe set your your expectations up with your family. Like, hey, I'm going to try this, but I've never done this before. <laughs> no so. promises. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see what happens. And just so you know, I have tried different intervals for taking the photos. One second intervals is really good. Yeah, I like doing the one second. Yeah. In post, you can kind of play around with it to determine like what frame rate you're going to use when you're doing the video stuff. But um, having one second can, makes it pretty smooth where you're just zooming around the room like you would imagine a, a time lapse being. And I've played around with like two seconds or five seconds or, or trying to, to reduce the number of photos. And it looks more shaky and choppy when you do it that way. So yeah. a one second interval is pretty nice. Pretty cool. Well, yeah, that, that, that makes sense because that, that would mean that every minute is what 60 frames a second. Yeah. 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 Derp. Two seconds. Yeah. So yeah, that's definitely yeah, cool. Two seconds is not too bad. You could do that, but I, I like it every one second. Then I have some options and post about how I'm going to deal with it. Yeah. No, it, it seems like it would be a decent interval yeah. for doing something like that. It's so fun. So, <laughs> all right. Um, I think we'll leave it at that, Connor. We had some other ideas, yeah. but I think we spent enough time on that. So we'll we'll move on to our next topic. We're going to talk about the recent changes to Flickr, essentially forcing any real usage of the service over to a pro subscription for about 50 bucks a year. But first, we need to thank the sponsor of this episode. If you're anything like me and you're looking for a professional printing service to turn your photos into canvas prints, you want someone who's reliable, who's using the highest quality canvas, and who is affordable. Well, good news, Royal Canvas is all three of those things. They print in 11 colors, use premium canvas that doesn't crack when it's stretched, and they ship super fast, usually within two or three days of ordering. 
Plus, if you ever need to contact them, you'll be talking to a real person who can help you out with accurate information and resolve any problems quickly. With Royal Canvas, you're getting a premium quality canvas, archival ink, and an expert stretch. So go ahead and give it a try. Go to royalcanvas.com slash master and you'll get 40% off of a single canvas print and an additional 10% off of poster or metal prints. Or if you'd like a sample, feel free to email service at royalcanvas.com and they'll send you a free canvas color swatch. That's royalcanvas.com slash master for 40% off of a single canvas print and an additional 10% off of poster or metal prints. All right, Connor, on, on November 1st, 2018, Flickr announced some pretty significant changes coming to their photo sharing platform. So they, they, what they announced was that on January 8th, 2019, free accounts are going to be limited to a total of 1,000 photos. Whereas today, you got however many photos you could fit in one terabyte of storage. It was free, one terabyte of storage. It's going to suddenly go on January 8th to 1,000 photos. I haven't seen any information about what's going to happen for those that have more than that. I I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. Maybe if they'll delete all but the most recent 1,000 or I don't know. They haven't said what's going to happen if you have more than that in the free storage that's available out there. But they're going to change it. So you only get 1,000 photos. Um, and if you pay for the pro subscription, you get, uh, which is $50 a year, you get unlimited storage now. I think they had two terabytes. I, I don't remember. I didn't look up what the storage was. I don't have the pro account, so I, I wasn't used to that. But um, th- th- we'll put a link in the show notes to their announcement from Flickr, which is now owned by SmugMug, by the way. And that's that's where these changes are coming from. Uh-huh. SmugMug took ownership over the service from Yahoo. And, uh, and so that's what they're going to do. So first off, Connor, I wanted to ask your experience with Flickr. Do you use it? <laughs> I don't know. I, I know that I have an account and I think that I might have even uploaded some photos to it at one point. Um, but I, I would say that in total, I probably have a few hours of experience with Flickr. It was one of those things that I, I by the time I kind of became aware of it as really being a thing that some people use, uh, I just felt like I had missed my opportunity to try and do anything with it. I had already been on Facebook and Instagram for so long. I'd already worked towards building followings there that starting at zero somewhere else just didn't seem worth it. Plus I didn't quite see, I didn't understand who it was for. Uh Uh And I, I don't know that I, I still understand who it's for. I'm sure (laughs) that it has plenty of practical applications to people. We'll see if, if this change continues being practical for some people but it was just never something that i got into yeah okay so this is one that i actually got into before i did photography and it was primarily because i was looking for a solution to share my really crummy point and shoot cameras (laughs) so I, i had before i got my real camera i had a canon elf camera point and shoot camera it was fine. It did, you know, I didn't know enough to do anything more than that anyway. So, yeah. So I was using that. Um, when smartphones got cameras in them, I did a little with that too. But I would take, we, we took lots of pictures. We wanted to have good memories. Like even these family parties we just got to, talking about. We, we'd have, yeah. we'd whip out the little point and shoot camera and take some photos. And everyone would be like, oh, I didn't think about bringing my camera. And can you, can you send those to me? And, 
I tried to send him an email, but the the number of photos that didn't work very well. And so I, I was just looking for solutions about how can I share these photos? I wasn't looking for a uh, like portfolio kind of service or trying to, to show off my best shots sort of thing. It was yeah. just a way for me to share photos with my friends and family. And so I found Flickr because that came up in search results and created a free account. And it was before there was a terabyte free. And so it, it was like right at the beginning, right when Flickr was, was first going. And um, I believe they, they max out at 200 photos per for free or something like that. It was, yeah. it was pretty limiting, but it was enough for what I needed because I could, I could put up the, the few that were good, <laughs> good enough to share, <laughs> take out all of them where they were the blurry ones. And, you know, there was plenty of, of terrible photos. I'm like, I don't need to share those. So we, <laughs> I'd call them down. And I didn't even know that's what it, the term was, but I'd call them down to the few that were like good enough to share. And that fit within the, the free uh, whatever they gave us at the time. And, and then I just, and then that was cool. Cause I could just share a link. I could just email them a link yeah, and they could go download the photos. So that worked really well. And so I signed up for the service. Then as I got into photography, as I got my Canon ADD and I started to, to learn how to do it, I wanted to share my photos and try to get them so that people would find them and, and maybe get comments on them. And there weren't a terrible number of services available at the time. Instagram really hadn't kicked off yet. Facebook was there. Um, I didn't consider it a platform to really use this on at the time. Anyway, I I decided, okay, Flickr is one of the ways I'm going to try to do this. I'm going to see if I can get some publicity. And there were some stunning photos out there on Flickr. They had um, they had like you know curated photo things where they would share other. It wasn't their own stuff. It was photos that were being uploaded to the to the service, and they would profile them. So they I, I don't know exactly how they they got them up there. I'm sure there's listeners that probably know the history better than I do, but I remember going out over to Flickr as I was going to sign in and seeing some just incredible shots and like wow. That looks great. And and they even shared like the the shooting settings. The the metadata from the photos was there as part of the Flickr uh, upload. And that's cool. And so you could see what the settings were. And that so it almost became a little bit of a learning tool for me too. So I I did spend some time using the service for a period of probably at least six months. I put my very best shots out on Flickr and I spent the time to tag them so that I the idea being if people are searching in Flickr, I want them to find my shop. And so I would, I spent the time to do that tagging descriptions. I, I did uh, a whole lot of work for every post pretty well. And I only shared the very best ones that I was taking at that point. So I deleted all the other stuff from my account, the, the stuff I was sharing with family and friends uh, and, and was sharing my best stuff. And I, I kept it up for, like I said, about six months, but I was also sharing to like at the time, Google plus, <laughs> was kind of a thing. And so I was sharing it there to various photo groups, trying to get feedback and commentary and, and uh, suggestions, stuff like that. I was sharing to, I don't know, ViewBug. There was a bunch of services, 500 PX. Eventually it was, I wasn't quite at the same time as Flickr, uh, but I did kind of do some 500 PX and there were various ones that were coming in and out that I was trying just to see if it make a difference. And, and then I, I just sort of decided in the end, this wasn't, 
helping me at all. Like it wasn't working. Yeah. People were not really finding my work, finding my photos certainly wasn't helping me to sell any prints, which was a, a goal I had at the time. I don't care so much about it now, but that was something I really wanted to do. I thought I have these really fun. I thought they were good landscape photos. I could do better now, but at the time <laughs> I thought these are, the these time. are decent landscape photos. I think someone would be interested in buying them. And, and I was hopeful that that would be a way to kind of get leads and have people find my stuff and, and go buy it. And it just didn't do it. So I was doing all this work and really wasn't getting anything. The only, the only thing that came out of it was I did have a fair number of online magazines or online uh, just blogs that referenced the photos. So the license I used as I uploaded to Flickr was, I don't remember which one it was. It wasn't, uh, anyway, it, it was one where you could, with attribution, you could use the photo, whatever yeah. online. So if you, if you said it came from my Flickr account, good, you could use it. And they did that. They did attribution. And Flickr didn't even tell me about it when it happened. I just, I think I, I signed up to many of the services that kind of search for your photos or even Google search. Yeah. And I would find it being used somewhere. And then I'd see, oh, they did say it came from my Flickr account. That's cool. And so it, it was, nice. it was kind of, I was honored. I felt uh, it, it was kind of, I felt like an accomplishment because someone else felt like the photo was good enough to share it yeah, in their blog something. post and, and like a little, you know, virtual pat on the back, but that's all it was. <laughs> it wasn't any more than that. And who knows if people stole the photos, they probably did and used them in, in other ways too, that I would not know about. But, uh, that, that's really my experience with Flickr. It was an experiment. It didn't mean much to me as I did it and what I'm doing as a hobbyist photographer and the, the little bits, the little ways I'm trying to make a little money at it so that I can pay for the gear. Um, so, so that's, that's how it was. And I know there are some people that really use the service. They really love Flickr. Oh, yeah. Um, there's tons of mainstream, big media photography guys who do it. Thomas Hawk is the one that comes to mind the most. You familiar with Thomas Hawk at all, Connor? If I'm being honest, no. Okay. So he is a guy who set a goal uh, a little while ago to share 1 million photos online. Jeez. And so he's doing it like every single day. He's sharing a new photo. And he does just one photo, yeah, just one photo. And it's not, he wants it to be a real photo, like not something that is, oh, I didn't share a photo today. So I'm going to hurry and take a snapshot of this pencil and <laughs> post it online. <laughs> it was a real photo. He wanted to do that. Um, a, a million of them, one a day. He, he's going to have to do more than one a I day know. to get to a million. Because I, I just did the math and that's 2,739 <laughs> years. So, I don't know. Maybe. Okay. It could be he's doing more. I don't know. But he has the goal to share that's a million a photos. And maybe yeah. he shares more than one in a group. I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> I know I've seen a lot of his work and he's got some stunning stuff. He's really good photography, yeah. but Flickr is the platform he's using to do this. And um, now, so he's been praying for a, po a pro account for a long, long time. And he's got uh, an article even in response to this news of Flickr changing this, where he thinks this is going to be super, super beneficial. So uh, I want to go through a couple of the reasonings here, why it is that Flickr says they're doing this, because I think it's an important thing to understand about service providers and free services and, you know, people, photographers, like uh, I could, I took it too. like, well, I guess that means I'm done using Flickr. Uh, I'm yeah. not going to go pay the $50 a year for, for the service because it doesn't mean much to me right now, but yeah. maybe, and, and after reading Thomas Hawk's post about this over on Petapixel, 
I maybe the reason I feel that way is the service as a platform is not valued today or valuable today because of how it's been run. And now that they're making these changes, it's going to change the behaviors and it's going to become a more valuable service and and worth the $50 a year to pay for it. So let me run through these and then I want to get your reactions. All right. So uh, they say in their blog post, and we'll put a link to it in the show notes. They say in 2013, Yahoo lost sight of what makes Flickr truly special and responded to a changing landscape in online photo sharing by giving every Flickr user a staggering terabyte of free storage. This and numerous related changes to the Flickr product during that time had strongly negative consequences. First, and so they have three negative consequences. First, And most crucially, the free terabyte largely attracted members who were drawn by free storage, not by engagement with other lovers of photography, which is kind of my experience too. It's, it's, it's made it so that people use this as like a backup platform instead of a sharing my best work kind of platform or helping to inspire other photographers or, you know, something like that, that I did see early on before Yahoo had it. Like I mentioned, as I went to upload photos, I was like really impressed with some of the stuff that Flickr put in front of you as you were logging in and as you were going to go upload, they were sharing some of the the photos that they curated. And wow, there was some stunning stuff out there that made me go look into it before I even finished my task of uploading the photos. And yeah. and that's kind of gone away because like you said, there's, it's mostly attractive people who thought, well, this is a free terabyte of online storage. I can back up my photos there. So <laughs> kind of diluted the service and the value of the service. All right. Second, yeah. you can tell a lot about a product by how it makes money. Giving away vast amounts of storage creates data that can be sold to advertisers with the inevitable result being that advertisers' interests are prioritized over yours. All right. So also makes sense. And we'll talk about that more in a second. Third, making storage free had the unfortunate effect of signaling to an entire generation of Flickr members that storage and even Flickr itself isn't worth paying for. Nothing could be further from the truth. There is no place like Flickr to share, to discover, to learn, and to interact about photography. All right, we'll talk. Let's talk about that in a second too. I want to just the last thing they said kind of was the the thing about why did you pick a thousand photos? Like why? That's the line. You can only upload a thousand photos. It's not storage. It's not. How did you come to that? So they said we looked at our members and found a clear line between free and pro accounts. The overwhelming majority of pros have more than a thousand photos. And more than 97% of free members had fewer than a thousand photos. So we believe we've landed on a fair and generous place to draw the line. So they did some research on the data of their members and that seemed like a pretty good place to draw the line. They also mentioned, and I didn't have the quote in here, but they mentioned photographers don't, they can't really tell you what the storage was they were using, but they can tell you, I usually have, you know, this many photos I'm trying to upload in a week or this many photos in my portfolio. They don't know how, they don't know what the storage is behind it. So that's why it's not like, Hey, you get a hundred meg free or a hundred gig free or whatever storage requirement it is. It was the number of photos they thought that'll be the easiest. You can do a thousand photos. They can be raw format if you want. And, you know, whatever storage that takes for your thousand photos, you can have, but you only get a thousand. All right. Fair enough. So uh, we already talked slightly about the free terabyte attracted members drawn by the free storage instead. 
How about the second point, um, it, which is one I did not think of. I'm glad I read their blog post because I hadn't thought of it, that this is data that now can be sold to advertisers. That's kind of where a free service is going to go, where you are the product. We've seen it with Facebook. We've seen that happen a yeah. lot with Facebook. Um, over the years, it has changed a huge amount for Facebook to the point now where it's it's definitely an advertising platform. I'm sure that was actually the plan from the beginning, but that's what it is today. The users are the product and the advertising is the, the thing that they're going to use to make money. And it's really expensive as an advertising platform to reach your users. Uh, if you have like a group, if you have a following, if, if you're successful in there and you get thousands of people to follow you, to reach them all costs a lot of money per per yeah. post. And that's the product. That's what... So the users all get to use it for free, but the businesses, it's it costs you a lot to leverage the platform. So what, what's your reaction here with Flickr kind of moving to that model? You know, it's... Uh... <laughs> I don't know if I'm entirely sold on it. At the same time, it makes me go, oh, maybe I should actually look into Flickr as a platform in general, mm-hmm. not so much as a place to share. <laughs> the sad thing is they're saying like, oh, well, people came here for free storage. And I'm thinking, oh, $50 a year for free photo storage yeah, really isn't that bad of a price. Sure. So, so it seems to me like the things that they're trying to um, get away from are things that at least personally, unlimited storage for 50 dollars a year seems not bad um the the i'm kind of back and forth because it's a business i i think that they totally deserve to make money one way or the other to me the the thinking about the users being the product is something that is um quite in the forefront of my mind whenever i use any kind of social media or any free quote unquote right, platform right. it's the fact that i i'm some people complain about advertisements i realize that's the price of admission and that my data is being used elsewhere i don't really have an issue with that personally but i see why that matters to a lot of people um <laughs> You know, the, the the part about making storage free had the unfortunate effect of signaling an entire generation that of Flickr members that storage and even Flickr itself isn't worth paying for. That sentence, in my mind, I didn't think it was worth paying for before. <laughs> um, so it, it wasn't because it was free. I just didn't it didn't strike my fancy as something that I had any interest in using. Uh, just just thinking about now the platform now that they're charging it makes me a little bit more intrigued as i said from the storage point but at the same time in my mind i i would consider myself a professional photographer Uh and if i am posting photos for the sake of portfolio use i'm well under a thousand photos that i think are are worth keeping in my portfolio so to me it's it seems kind of like a weird way of putting that because Yes, as a pro photographer, I will use well more than a thousand photos worth of storage. I would be well over that buffer mark for the $50 a year, assuming that I'm using this as a storage platform, which it seems like it might actually be a pretty good option um, for the price point. That said, I think it's also weird to to put that line on it to say, hey, we don't really want to encourage people to use this and abuse this as a storage platform, which is kind of part of the message, while also saying, but you're going to use more than a thousand photos, which to me says, okay, so it is a storage platform. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I don't know if I have any kind of clear and concise thoughts on this. It's just... Um, I have mixed feelings. I am intrigued (laughs) to go and look at it. I understand why they're doing that. And 
I, I think that many people will actually find a lot of value out of these these changes coming right. forth. Um, okay, so yeah, so so not negative, not so positive. If it wasn't Flickr, let's let's take Flickr, the name, the service out of it. Yes, there was a brand new service, the brand new one that yes. came out and said we are going to revolutionize the way that you can share, discover, learn, and interact with photography. Would that be interesting to you? Mm. <laughs> no, <laughs> I, I I think that I I see the appeal for a lot of people. I think at this stage in my photography, it, it's not the most interesting thing to me. I love photography. I love it as a craft. I love talking with individuals in person about photography. I like interacting with people occasionally online, uh, not just occasionally. I do enjoy talking with people online about photography, um, but. It, in that instance, saying we're going to revolutionize how you interact, well, that's just another social media platform, and that's a hard sell uh-huh, for me uh-huh. anywhere because social media it, it can feel like a bit of a drag sometimes. As far as the platform itself, I, I think that it has a lot of appeal. I just don't know if I am the person they're trying to sell uh-huh. to. Okay, so my reaction to this is I, I think this is like absolutely essential for Flickr to do. <laughs> Because yeah. they were headed nowhere with the plan they had before. So much, I, I wasn't using it. I wasn't putting photos yeah. up there anymore. I gave it a little try. It was before Yahoo's using it. And even though I knew that you had the full terabyte of data out there, uh, I already have cloud backup that I'm using and, and Backblaze is my provider that I've chosen. And, and it's great. It's not expensive. I didn't need to put them in another place. So I, I didn't want to waste my bandwidth every month of trying to copy photos up yeah. there. So uh, it had absolutely no interest to me, just none. And um, I think, I think they're right that Yahoo was not a very good steward of the service. I think that they struggled yes. to make it appealing. It lost, like it went, it became less appealing because of so many people putting their photos out there. And now when you searched, instead of coming up with like stunning photos to go through and look at and maybe be inspired by and even check out their settings, because I kind of used that it that way at first. Now when you do a search, because so many people are using it as just this dumping ground for backups, you have this plethora of garbage that's out there. <laughs> and they, so when you, you, the ability to find the really good stuff went way down as you were over the years as Yahoo was the steward over the service as they owned it. So I'm, I'm really glad to see smug mug taking this over. I'm actually encouraged by the fact that they're going to draw the line between the free and the pro and $50. if, If it was really good as a service and you actually could do that sharing, discovering, learning and interacting with photography for $50 a year, I'd be more intrigued with that if it was really there. And, and if the community was there, if they can manage yeah. to convince a huge community of people, not just photographers, but people that are interested in finding good landscape photos, for example, if they could have actually drawn the people that are wanting to buy prints of landscapes and and drawn them in via Flickr to my work so that I could sell them. Yeah, I'd absolutely pay $50 a year for that. Even as a hobbyist photographer, that would be worth it to me. But they got yeah. a ways to go to get there. But and this is the first step. They they have to change this stuff so that they can bring in the money and they can work on. They they have some user interface stuff to work on. It's very dated. The UI is old, and they they need to update it. And pieces of it have been. Yahoo did a little bit of work there, but 
um, as you, I, I did go check it out right after they announced the one terabyte just to see what the changes were. And as you poked around yeah. in the UI, you switched back and forth between like a, a little bit newer look and feel to one that was old and where they hadn't touched it yet. And then, and you could tell that they, they just hadn't made it to that part of the, the user interface. So it was disjointed and didn't look great and it wasn't a great user experience. So I'm encouraged. Yeah, go ahead. Y- you, you you articulated a few things there that I think are, are kind of important and maybe clarified a few things in my head um, as I was thinking about them. I, it, to me, the notion of paying specifically for community doesn't really uh-huh. interest me. Um, it's something that I would hope that they do. I, I think one way or the other, this seems promising because any move is better than what they were doing. I do agree with that entirely. I, I wanted to applaud you when you said whatever it was that you said that was along those lines Um, because it's true yeah it it seems like one way or the other they're not doing this it doesn't seem like a oh we're gonna make a bunch of money it seems like they're actually doing what they think is going to be best for this this company to revitalize it so i i definitely applaud them on that and have high hopes in that regard i to me paying for a community doesn't interest me quite as much as the notion of the storage but at the same time i think that if i end up going the route of maybe seeing if i upload photos there and everything i i if there's a community that starts to form around that, if it starts to become revitalized, I might start interacting there. So it's, it's not to say that um, that part doesn't interest me. If, if that was a result, awesome. Um, But in general, I I think that, yeah, you're right, that they do seem to be making better um, moves by doing that. Something that I would hope that they do from this. I actually, I'm so, unfamiliar with the software it, i might be say, suggesting a thing that they do that they already <laughs> okay. do all right do. Um, but i would love to be able to have a platform like this where i could upload all of my raw fo- photos and have them all private and have them not seen by anyone but myself use that portion for storage and then be able to maybe toggle a, a button or something that says oh yeah these are ones that are finished these are ones that i don't mind other people seeing and sharing and in that way i think that that could actually help a lot because that would allow people to to do both things so they can upload and use all of their stuff for storage but they're also not just all of their raws all of the garbage that they have on their hard drive that they're trying to upload isn't just going to show up in the search results i think that that might be a good compromise between the two things and i don't know if that's something that they currently do but if they did something like that i would be even more encouraged to go onto a platform like that because that seems like a best of both worlds situation okay, so i haven't even logged in in 2018 so We'll, we'll see. I don't. I can't tell you today, but yeah. in the past, one of the the ways I used it was it, it was not exactly that same use case. But yes, the concept of keeping stuff private and and controlling what's public was there. You had albums, you could control public versus private, and it even included like group functionality. If you wanted to share an album with a group of people who could all upload to it, then you could do that too. And I, so I used it that way. That's so, pretty cool. Yeah, there's some some neat services that are there. To me, the biggest thing that they got to overcome is it needs to become the platform again where not just photographers go for good images. They, If, if they yeah. can get people who are not photographers to come there and search for the photos they're looking for, whether it be like I need to source an image for a blog post or something like that, and they have a way to buy it, um, or um, I'm looking for a very specific landscape. I want to hang up in my office, something like that. And it becomes the place yeah. to go look at it. That becomes compelling at that point. Then then it becomes worth a photographer paying that yearly subscription to get their stuff out there so that it's part of their 
their marketplace. Kind of like 500px was to, for a while too, that they had a marketplace there. They had people that were buying photos, going to the site for that. Um, that's kind of changed a lot. A Chinese company bought them and it's, it's changed quite a bit. So 500px isn't really the, the thing that it used to be. And so the field seems open. The challenge is I don't know how they're going to convince people that aren't photographers to go to it. <laughs> I bet to if I ask my place, kids, yeah. hey, do you guys know what Flickr is? They're going to say, what? <laughs> what is Flickr? <laughs> if, if I'm being entirely honest, I think that it was only like last year or the year before. I knew what Flickr was, but I didn't realize that their logo, the uh-huh. two dots that I had seen on all sorts of social <laughs> media where it has like the share buttons. I didn't even uh-huh. know what that was. I didn't hover over it because I was just like, it's not something I use, so I don't care. And then the, I recently, like a year ago, realized, oh, Oh, that's Flickr. I didn't. Now that I see that, I realize I see their logo all the time. It's just not something that I had in my world that I was paying attention okay. to. So I, in the end, I don't think that this has convinced me. I'm going to go pay for a pro account now. Um, I'm I'm not sure. I probably have well over a thousand photos. I I did dump a lot of work into that. Um, way back <laughs> uh, stuff that probably I should get rid of because I'm not, I was going to say a thousand yeah, snapshots. I'm not, I'm not too happy with the work that's out there anyway. Probably I, I should go, go clean that up. Uh, maybe I need to log in just enough to do that at least, but I'm, I want to keep an eye on it. So I'm not convinced myself that it makes sense for me to pay the $50 a year. Not because it's, it's unreasonable as a cost, because as a cost goes for a service like that and the amount of storage they're offering for pro accounts, that's a pretty good price. That's, that's a very oh, yeah. reasonable price. But for me, it's not something where I feel like I'm going to really get that benefit. Um, it's not going to incorporate in my workflow very well. So anyway, I don't think I'm going to do it. But what I'd love to do is I'd love to have the listeners tell us. Um, we're going to do a, a post in the Facebook group for this episode. If you are an avid user of Flickr, I'd love to hear what your reaction is. I'd love to know how what you think about it. I'd like to know what you're using Flickr for today and what you're hoping this change is going to bring about for you for the service in the future. Um, both free uses, if you use it for uh, the free level, and if you are a paid subscriber, love to know kind of what you have there. And we can have a little bit more conversation because uh, neither Connor or I use it very much. So love to hear yeah. hear from you who maybe have and see kind of what your opinion is. Uh, all right, let's uh, let's move on to the last part of the show here. We'll do our doodads and and then finish up with the reminder. So, Connor, tell me what your doodad is. So, my doodad has to do with some of the all overall changes, upgrades to my gear that I've been uh, putting in recently. My my behind the scenes gear. So, my doodad is a Noctua NF A8 computer fan. Um, these things, I mean, it's just a computer fan. So anybody that has a desktop or other devices that run on computer fans and find you find that they're really noisy and maybe just a bit annoying to have turned on uh, might be worth looking into a fan upgrade. So I, I actually recently I had a, well, I still have a second generation Drobo and from from out of the box the day that i got it it was just loud <laughs> as soon as i would turn it on it was like purring uh-huh. it was annoying uh-huh. so i would turn it on to to transfer files and then turn it off immediately and you know every time i'd have to turn it back on it would boot up and take a while and 
not to say that I was trying to leave it on all the time, but it, it was just as soon as I could turn it off, I wanted to do that. So recently I bought one of these fans because I was just doing some research into silent fans. I realized that that was the problem um, that was going on with this Drobo. And I, I changed out the fans. And you know what? I, I actually have had my Drobo running this entire time, not three feet away from my microphone. And I guarantee you, you haven't heard it through nope, the entire nope. episode because it is just silent now. Um, so if you have noisy computer fans, it might be worth looking into finding something that has a little bit better of a, a noise performance. And that's my okay, very good. I will second it. Noctua is awesome for computer fans. That's yeah. been my go to. It's what I put in my builds for many years now for PCs and very good computer fans. So awesome. All right. I, <laughs> I'm going to recommend, uh, the Godox AD 200. So I've, I've already recommended this before, but I actually own them <laughs> now. So, so this right. is, uh, yeah, it's kind of, I'm excited about this. This is really fun. Uh, they are way more money than the young Nuo flashes. That's why it took <laughs> me a long time to decide to do this. Um, cause I wanted three of them and I wanted, the, I needed a new controller to control them. They're $300 a piece. And so that is just so much more money. I wasn't sure I really wanted to do this, um, even though I've heard so many people that have loved these things. I when I when yeah. I had them as my doodad before, I was saying it's on my wish list. I hope I get them someday. I want to try them out, and now I have them, and they are super cool. So I haven't done a shoot with them yet. I, I need to just have that be a disclaimer here. I haven't actually run a shoot with them, but I know it's going to be awesome. I I have taken them. I've just in my basement here. I've set up and I've used them and really cool stuff. Like the, the most impressive thing is the recycle time. It is instant. Like you, you can yeah. go so fast in between pops that uh, you don't have to think about it anymore. And I am really looking forward to doing it. A, a downside is they are so much heavier <laughs> than young new, like, <laughs> like three times heavier more. I don't know. It's, it, they are super heavy because there's, there's this big, massive battery inside of the flash yeah and so it, it makes it really really super heavy and but they're but they're still relatively compact they are, are they not? they're not much bigger so you, you have weight but it's not so that's much right. a size that's thing. right um, but it makes like i have a few light stands that are on the skimpy side <laughs> they're they're not really great light stands and these things make them tip over they're just heavy enough that that they tip (laughs) them over so i have to put them on i have some good light stands so i have to use those with them um but i'm super excited to try it it has model light it has high speed sync features i wasn't sure i would care about but now i'm now that i have these i I primarily wanted them for the fast recycle time that was my biggest thing that i wanted them for that and they're going to produce more more power um powerful flashes definitely yeah, than, than the young newels do. So I wanted the, both of those things. I didn't get them because of high speed sync, but now that it's there, I'm going to try it out. I'm going <laughs> to, yeah, Might I'm going to well have some, some fun with that and, and want to, I want to give that a go. So, yep, that'll be really fun. So those are the ones I'm going to recommend the eight, the Godox 8200. The, they also sell them under the name flashpoint. It's the same, same stuff. And yeah. um, I, I love it. The batteries are huge. They're heavy. They take forever to charge, but it's uh, <laughs> it's going to be so fun to try these out. And I'm, I'm excited for it. Way to sell it. Jeff. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm going to be honest to tell you everything about them. So, yeah, no, it, it that's something that 
honestly, I once you have some experience with them, I'd love to come back and yes. do another episode talking with you about them because I, I've heard nothing but good things about them in getting to play around with people's um, Flashpoint systems or Godox systems. I've been very impressed. And as somebody who, um, well, I put myself through the pain of lugging around full on right, strobe right. systems everywhere. Something like this actually appeals to me a lot. It doesn't have quite the same kind of nope. power output that I would really ideally hope to have, but it's still pretty yes. solid for, for what you're getting. And it's something that you didn't mention that I think is actually quite notable is the fact that you're able to use it uh, almost as a flash where it has kind of the, the yep. square front Fresnel and you can yep. do a bare bulb right. style, which helps to fill up your soft boxes and modifiers even better. So it's really like a mini strobe. Yes. It's pretty cool. And, and I'm really eager to hear how you yeah. end up like, I'm these, so man. excited to try them out. It's going to be, he's going to be awesome. I'm, I'm doing basketball, high school basketball team photos in, in a couple of weeks. Right. And uh, so I'll get some really good experience with them. Then I'm excited. It's going to be so fun. Awesome. All right. Well, that's the end of the show. Connor, thank you so much for joining me in this episode. Oh, of course. It was great talking All with right. you, man. As reminders, masterphotographypodcast.com. It's where the home of the show, you'll find the show notes there and you're going to want to check out the show notes, get the links that we've talked about, links to those products we just talked about too in the in the doodads. Facebook group, Master Photography Podcast. If you go search in Facebook for that group and you do have to answer a question of naming a host on the show. So Jeff or Connor will work and you can spell Connor however you like. I see it spelled lots of different <laughs> ways as people do it. Um, and, and that'll let you get in. We just want to make sure that we have real listeners of the show and they know something about the show so that we, we keep the spammers and the, and the bots out of there. You can find my work at jsharmanphotos.com or my other podcast, which will be coming up shortly here in November. It's going to be an episode with Greg Benz. And we're going to talk about luminosity. Yeah. So nice. don't, don't miss that. You're going to want to subscribe to us. So you don't miss that episode. You can find me on Facebook, Harmon Jeff, Twitter. I'm Harmon underscore Jeff and Instagram, Harmon Jeff. All that will be in the show notes. So you don't have to worry about trying to remember all that. Connor, where can people find you? Um, well, you can you can find my personal website at connorhibbs.photography. Uh, you can find me on Instagram where I haven't posted in almost <laughs> eight months, I think. Um, but that is at connorhibbsphotography. You can listen to the other podcasts that I am a part of. Um, you can find that at portraitsessionpodcast.com. Just for anybody that's wondering and listening, um, I've been incredibly busy. So we've been kind of putting it out every other week rather than every week, which was what we were trying to do before. Once things slow down for me, I'm going to go back to that every week schedule. But portrait session podcast it's a great show you should listen to it there and that's okay i love portrait session (laughs) i listen to it a ton so it's uh, every episode don't miss them they're they're awesome it's really fun to to hear yeah uh all right that's that's it for this show so thanks everyone so much for listening and we'll see you all in another seven days 